Hello and welcome to The Measured Pencil. I'm Stephen Murray and I'm here with pencil luminary, Wes Nelson. You did it again. I did it. You did it again. Yes. Amazing. We'll see how long I can uh, keep this up. I can't wait to find out. <laughs> how are you today, Wes? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Well, I did want to say I went into CVS the other day. Oh yeah, what'd you No, find? no, no, no. I went into Staples. That's okay. what it was. Yeah. And I was really, really sad because we like own everything. Oh no. <laughs> There are no more mechanical pencils on the shelf to explore. And and is that like when Alexander, when he crossed over the hill and he wept for there were no more worlds to conquer? Was yeah, it that type kind of, of. Okay. Either that or we have we do have to go to Japan for that remote episode. We do, episode. absolutely. <laughs> so that's where I'm at. I'm a little blue. But I am excited about what we're doing tonight. What are we doing tonight? Well, we're taking a bit of a left turn. Okay. And we're not talking about a mechanical pencil. We are not. We're not. You did not tell me this beforehand. You got to read the emails. I'm walking out of this room right now. <laughs> this is me walking away. Well, that's okay because we do have a guest. Okay. And she is here to talk to us about carpenter pencils. Oh my gosh. I love those things. I can't wait. Did you know that the oldest pencil in a museum is shaped like a carpenter pencil? Really? The original pencil is not hexagonal, it's not circular. It is flat because that's the way they could engineer it to pour the lead and put the two pieces together. Oh, that's why. We have with us Tori Brogan. She is a storyteller here in the Twin Cities and a paraprofessional teaching assistant in uh, one of the local schools here. And she's going to tell us a story about carpenter pencils. Amazing. I can't wait. Let's get right to it. My father, Walt, was a carpenter his whole life in the small New England town where he was born and raised. He began working in carpentry in earnest at 16 when his dad died, and he and his mom needed money. My dad was one of those old-school builders who could do it all from framing to finished work. He was up and out the door by 5.30 every morning and home by 6 o'clock each night. I'd hear him come whistling up the walkway at the end of the day, swinging his keys and covered in sawdust. Being Walt's daughter meant I grew up with carpenter pencils all over the place. In my dad's truck, in the kitchen junk drawer, in his toolbox, and always in the side pocket of his carpenter pants. That pencil went everywhere with him, except to church on Sundays. I'd see big buckets of them by the cash register when I went to the lumber yard with my dad, 10 cents apiece. I never understood why my dad didn't use pencils like the ones we had at school, or why he didn't use a mechanical pencil like Mr. Cleveland. Mr. Cleveland was my dad's friend. Unlike my father, who never graduated from high school, Mr. Cleveland had a degree in computer science and worked as an engineer at a big-name electronics company. But like my dad, Mr. Cleveland always kept a pencil on him, a mechanical pencil tucked safely inside a pocket protector. My dad cracked jokes about the kind of person who kept a mechanical pencil in a pocket protector. Highfalutin, my dad would say. Dorks. As a kid, I just thought that's how you talked about your friends and their pencils. But as an adult, I think there was something deeper behind my father's remarks. It had nothing to do with pencils, and everything to do with losing a father too young in an era where there was no space for grief. Graduating from high school was too much to ask of a teenager who suddenly found himself fatherless and responsible for his family. The perfect pencil knows its purpose and serves it well. I understand that now. 
What I dismissed long ago as a crappy, useless writing device turns out to be perfect for someone who builds things for a living. My ill-fated encounter with my dad's work pencil one night long ago when I tried to use it to do homework was the extent of my personal interaction with a carpenter pencil until it was time to bury my father. It was his wish to be cremated in his work clothes, white carpenter pants and a flannel shirt. He specifically requested that we include his fold ruler and a carpenter pencil in the side pocket of his pants, along with a pack of unfiltered camel cigarettes in the front pocket of his shirt. I think of how some ancient civilizations bury their dead with the things their loved ones will need to be happy in the next life. My father's been gone for eight years now, and I can still clearly hear the distinct measured rhythm of his hammering. That was fantastic. That was amazing. That was so fucking good. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for being on the show. My pleasure. So tell me about that ill-fated attempt at writing with the carpentry pencil. I was in elementary school, probably fourth grade, and I had to do my math homework and primetime TV. I think the Golden Girls were about to come on. Nice. And I couldn't find a pencil anywhere. So I ransacked the house and finally found one of my dad's pencils and tried to do my homework with that. And it was a mess. I quickly figured out that this was not going to work. Yeah. Yeah. The end was all nubby. It looked like it had been hacked at with a knife, which it was. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I later found out. (laughs) And after that, I just decided it was junk. Yeah. (laughs) And the most ridiculous writing utensil. Yeah. I have that same memory of the hardware store with the whole, they're all like fresh and I just want to like run my hand Mm -hmm. over them and they're just all sitting there ready to go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I have that same memory. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. What does seeing a carpenter's pencil like in a store stir up for you, other than the whole story? <laughs> <laughs> it makes me miss my dad. Mm. And, and it makes me think of, you know, how hard he worked his whole life and how hard the people around him worked. You know, he was the kind of guy that would wake up at 5.30 every morning and go down to the diner in the center of town. And he'd have two eggs over easy, but he'd be sitting next to the electrician and the plumber and mm. some other construction guys and... They talk before heading out as the sun was coming up to go to the job site. So it makes me nostalgic for that. Yeah. Smell of fresh cut wood. (laughs) Yes. So being a carpenter, he would carry one of these because it's not just a pencil. Yeah, no, it's amazing. I did not appreciate until I was fully grown just what an amazing tool this is. What tool? How so? Well, first Wes of all, is over here sharpening <laughs> one of the pens. Brought the razor. I might as well use it. Beautiful. Do it on mic so we have the foley. Yeah. <laughs> that is how my father sharpened his pencil. He would yes. use a knife or his exacto blade. But the, so that if you look at a carpenter pencil, I remember being a kid and handling it and just thinking, like, what on earth is this rectangular thing? But it's just so beautiful in its design because the way it's designed as a flat rectangle, it's not going to roll away. Mm-hmm. Oh, if you're, sure. you know, two stories up framing a roof or, you know, the side of a house, you can trust that you'll set it down. It'll be where you leave it. I've discovered and learned its design makes it easier to hold steady for marking. And it's a more like ergonomic, more comfortable grip for extended periods of time or when you're wearing gloves and stuff mm-hmm. on the oh, side. Oh, sure. I could see that. Its measurements make it a pretty great tool. It's seven inches long. It is a half inch wide and a quarter inch thick. So you can use it as a measuring tool when you're on a job site. If you're doing decking, you can, and you need everything spaced quarter inch or half inch, you can use your pencil to, to make sure the spacing is correct. 
or you can use this flat edge of the side of the pencil to make sure your cuts are even. Oh, wow. Yeah. So my dad would always sharpen his into, not into a point, but into a, like a square, like a flat edge. Oh, Yeah. okay. So you'd have the wider lead if you needed, you know, the wider edge to make a bold line, if you needed to make it visible, or you would have a finer point if you needed to rotate the pencil, you could write. Kind of like that a little yeah. bit? Yeah, yep. Okay, I got For use those now. of you at home, <laughs> Wes will take a picture. You can check for it out those there. tuning in. So I did a little more digging and found out that the graphite that is used in the pencil is hard enough that it can mark on rough surfaces. <laughs> we oh, always have the, the yes. Amazon reviews where like I can't write with it. Like of course you can't write with yeah. a 0.5 mechanical yeah. pencil on rough wood. Yeah. I don't know what you're trying to have it do, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, it's more durable. It's less likely to smudge. makes it easier to read the markings. I really feel, and this is, I'm coming into this awareness as an adult, as of, you know, in my 40s with my father long gone. Just, I, I would argue this is the most, one of the most important tools in a carpenter's toolbox. It's kind of that perfect marriage of form and function. Yes, I yeah. agree. Yeah. I agree. You know, the house I grew up in was a blue-collar, hardworking house. Mechanical pencils were a luxury item Mm -hmm. and I think perceived as rather impractical. But that makes sense for the work that my father did. You know, if he were like his friend, Mr. Cleveland, who was in an office and had access to a sharpener or more lead, it's a different story. It's a different need. Right. Kind of like an embodiment of a class struggle or something. Truly, yeah. truly. I, I I, think it really wasn't because he thought Mr. Cleveland was a dork. I think he really sort of envied that he'd gone on to college and had, I don't know, I think that was a part of it yeah. a little bit. He was pretty remarkable. Like I said, he was, he was old school. You know, he just started working on the job site and learned as he went and did it all. I think nowadays builders hmm. kind of subcontract and there's they specialize more. You know, you get the roofing crew, the gutter crew, the siding crew, and he did it all. That's amazing. And it says a lot about his identity that he chose to be buried in those clothes yeah. with those items or those totems yeah. as, as a representation. And that's, that's really cool. I think he was most confident in his identity as a carpenter. Mm. That's amazing. Yeah. But it's interesting. So my brother is an engineer, chemical engineer. And so he had some mechanical pencils laying around. But they were always these sort of mythical like mm. cre- creatures on his desk, yeah. and I, you know, I was I'm ten years younger than my brother, so I would kind of finger them a little bit and not figure out how they worked. Yeah, and I never delved into the mechanical pencil world. <laughs> it's interesting in your bonus episode when you talked about privilege, mm-hmm. and growing up, I always perceived mechanical pencils as something people with money used. Yes. We were not a family yeah. of, you know, much means. And so I just always assumed, oh, this is this is sort of privilege, even though that wasn't, you know, in my vernacular, but in the, you know, late seventies, early eighties. Yeah. You know, people who went to college, people who worked in the sciences or engineering, math, drafting, they had mechanical pencils. But absolutely sort of the rest of us had yeah. had good old wood pencils. I think there's definitely a whole class thing you could do with that. I, I We got all of our school supplies from my mom, who was a front desk associate or director of first impressions. Uh, she was a secretary, but the, the title has changed now. But like she would order supplies mm-hmm. and then grab a few extra and mm-hmm. bring them home. And yeah. So I remember getting my hands on a doctor grip and being like, oh my God. This oh, is amazing. yeah. 
But yeah, it wasn't something we bought. We only got them because she stole them. <laughs> like otherwise, you just went with what you could get, and that was the number two, and that was just u- ubiquitous. Yeah. Yes. It was slightly different for me because at the when I was growing up, my dad wrote for the newspaper. Oh. Mm-hmm. So the pen was. That, again, it was his tool. You have the tool of the carpenter pencil yep. or the drafting pencil. This was the writing pencil or pen. So he he was very attuned to like what was a f- nice writing experience, yeah. mm-hmm. which is a, it, it, you know why there was a zebra at my table that one night. But he wasn't going to keep it. He was using his cross pen. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was it was never <laughs> we never had we didn't really have the bix. We didn't have the package of a dozen stick pens. It was, he had something nicer. Isn't it funny how pencils and pens are almost things you're born into? Yeah. Like your tribe or, you know, your family of origin. Yeah. How much that influences mm-hmm. the instruments you use Absolutely. and how you perceive them. Yeah. It's a direct measure of status or measure or representation. Mm-hmm. Of, yeah. I mean, my dad was definitely, he was proud to be a carpenter. I, I don't think he regretted that calling at all. I'm suddenly like, oh, I don't want him to sound like that he resented what he did because he was very proud to be a carpenter and very proud. Yeah. I don't know. Interestingly enough, I didn't inherit any of his skills. I failed wood shop. Really? <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. And his buddy from high school was the teacher and he was oh, this no. big scary guy named Mr. Rintala and Mr. Rintala was like, you're Walter's daughter. Are you sure? Oh no. Yeah. Oh, that was no. bad. I, I built a, a shelf, two shelves with uh, sides and I brought it home. I was really proud of it. And we put it up on the wall and it wouldn't hang flush. Like, oh. like it stuck out two inches. Yeah. Can you describe your dad? I'm picturing, sorry, I won't mm-hmm. picture it all. I'll yeah. actually let you answer it. <laughs> My dad, he was something else. So he, so he grew up in a, a small town in New England, swore like a sailor. I mean, he had beautiful, colorful language. He worked incredibly hard and did whatever needed to be done to take care of all of us. He loved classical music. So on Sundays, this was back when stores were closed and people actually didn't do things on Sundays, he would, he'd get all, you know, dressed up and he'd spend the afternoons listening to classical music, Mozart, Tchaikovsky, Beethoven, all of them. You know, he could clean up really well, but he loved to tell stories. He didn't suffer fools. (laughs) You, You can't put him easily in any one box. I learned how to swear from him. I learned. That's awesome. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Picturing like this old house and like that whole. He like, hated this old house. He, really? He thought Bob Vila was a, just a fake. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. He hated this old house. <laughs> Sounds like a hell of a guy. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was funny. I feel like the old builders are like a dying breed. But the carpenter pencil, and I want to just say, why are they trying to make a mechanical carpenter pencil? I saw some of that online, and I thought <gasps> that was... <laughs> we have a quest now. <laughs> Collective gasp, what? But yeah, the mechanical, there is a mechanical one, and my father is turning over in his grave. <laughs> well, challenge accepted. And Tori and listeners, you will hear those Amazon reviews when we tackle that on a future episode of the show. Yeah. Tori, thank you so much for being here. You're thank, thank you for you. sharing. So much. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Thank I, you for sharing. This has been wonderful. I will never look at a carpenter pencil the same way again. Thank you. That's it for today's episode of The Measured Pencil. Catch us on Thursday for our next review. Bye. This has been The Measured Pencil with Wes Nelson and Stephen Murray. 
Theme music composed and performed by Joshua Baumgartner. Special music for this episode composed and performed by Art Music. You can find their work on Pixby.com. For more information on Art Music, please check the liner notes of this episode. Additional production support provided by Two Desks Productions. If you'd like to see photos of the pencils on our show, please visit us on Instagram at The Measured Pencil. And as always, if you have a pencil that you would like us to review on the show, please contact us through our ACAST webpage and we'll be happy to check it out.